Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So I think we all know that um, this country is going through a lot. I think the globe is going through a lot and uh, all of us are concerned about our health and how we can be just to keep up with the demands of our immune systems at the moment and with uh, no actual solutions. Everyone is clutching at whatever it is that we can. We're going to be focusing today on hormones with Dr. Feria Luha, who is a naturopathic private doctor licensed in South Africa as well as in Dubai and um, she's going to really take us through you know the workings of the hormones I just want to say thank you so much for making the time Dr. Luha thank you so much for for joining us this afternoon thank you so much Pamela it's so lovely to uh, speak to the South African audience thank you so much for the invitation can you please help us and explain the naturopathy or naturopathic medicine Yes, of course. So naturopathic medicine is basically a very comprehensive system of medicine that looks to uncover the root cause of whatever ailment or condition a person is suffering from. Mm. So it's very holistic. We're looking not just at the physical symptoms, but also mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic you know, genetics, spiritual, all kinds of different things happening in the environment to be able to understand that person's individual um, biology. Mm -hmm. And then I use natural therapies and natural medicines to be able to treat the root cause Mm -hmm. and and hopefully the symptoms disappear. How how do you make a diagnosis of the root cause? Because you're looking at so many things, Mm -hmm. aren't you? yeah, no, it is. It's quite thorough. It's very thorough. When a patient comes in to see me, Pamela, they are easily um, spending an hour and a half with me for their first appointment. Mm. So the intake is quite thorough. I ask a lot of questions um, regarding your medical history, the family history. Of course, physical exam needs to be done. done. And then I do a lot of testing. We'll do different kinds of blood tests mm-hmm. or um, other types of what are called functional medicine tests to be able to just look at the big picture. Mm. I do carry or administer tests that conventional doctors may not look and test for. And then um, putting all of those things together, including the person's own values, we come up with you know, a, a diagnosis and then we treat the person accordingly. Mm. So uh, what, what seems to be the common root cause of many diseases? Am I right in saying it's often maybe... Uh, um, perhaps something quite common, as in it's there's one root cause to many diseases? That's a really tough question. I'm sure that if you really wanted to, you know, look at what could be that one root cause, mm-hmm. I'd have to say inflammation, mm. if I had to really pick one. Mm. Um, and so inflammation just basically means, you know, that the body is undergoing, like, almost like if you consider your body as a house, it's mm. houses are constantly on fire. Mm-hmm. And there are various things that contribute to inflammation from diet, stress. You know, this pandemic has been so difficult and challenging. Um, so that will actually exacerbate the inflammatory process of the body. If, uh, if one is not sleeping well, that increases inflammation. Um, so there are things in our environment, also pollution, you know, toxins. And so if I had to, I would pick that as the single most sort of underlying factor and, and most chronic diseases stem from some kind of inflammation. Mm. When you look at uh, patients, is in terms of percentages and balancing <laughs> it out, is, is lifestyle 
predominantly predominantly the problem or genes? That's a great question. I would probably say lifestyle because a lot of us, you know, we have this old school mentality that we were socialized with, which was that basically your genes determine your destiny. But that's not so much the case anymore. It's not just nature. It's it, or rather nature. It's it's both nature and nature. And so you could have inherited genes that predispose you to developing a certain condition. But um, you may have heard of this very, you know, exciting body of, of uh, research now called epigenetics that looks at how the environment influences the expression, expression of those genes. And so I actually do a lot of gene testing as well in my practice because I can look at a person's DNA to see what they've inherited that could, you know, potentially put them in the trajectory of Mm. Um, acquiring some kind of, of disease in the future. But what turns that disease process on is the lifestyle. Mm. So, you know, one could have, quote-unquote, bad genes, but if they're living a very clean lifestyle, they can keep those genes turned off. Mm-hmm. One could have great genes, but if they're living a poor lifestyle, they could silence the good genes and they can turn on genes that can actually lead them towards disease. You know, um, with with technology, I suppose, and an evolution, you you know the 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 kind of sciences that come through over time contradict one another, and mm-hmm. so one one is never quite sure. You know, uh, for a time there was a specific type of of uh, I wouldn't call it fad because I think maybe there was a scientific world that really believed in us. The the science that said you know eight, eat eight meals a day and small portions or whatever the case may be, and then there was another phase where right. people said you know uh, rather fast a bit more, um, high fats, low low carbs. It, it it becomes so confusing to a lay person. How do we know? How do we know if I'm not a, 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 a medical practitioner, if I'm really not somebody that understands the signs, how do I know that whatever it is I'm told at that time is the correct diet? So, again, you know, the beauty of naturopathic medicine is that it is customized to the individual. Mm. So we don't have um, you know, one diet that would be prescribed to everybody or one type of lifestyle intervention that would be prescribed for everyone, which is why when I was talking about it in the beginning, taking into consideration that individual's, um, you know, factors related to how they deal with stress, related to how they eat, what they eat, you know, how are they sleeping, are they getting any exercise, are they getting any sunlight, you know, what are the stresses in their life in terms of workplace or personal stresses? And then all of that, along with the diagnosis, um, will still take into consideration that person's, um, you know, even cultural values or their values before we figure out what's the best protocol. And so there are many times where I'll have, you know, three people come in with the same disease, mm-hmm. or the same condition, but they leave with three different protocols because mm. they're not the same person. For one person, I may put them on a high-fat, low-carb diet because that's what's going to work best for them. I haven't taken into consideration all of those factors. For someone else, I might put them on something that requires them to do some intermittent fasting. Mm. So it's not the same for everybody. I think this is the beauty of having a practitioner look at you um, and really just understanding and analyzing your biology, your chemistry, your physiology, and then coming up with a plan that's going to help your body use its own resources to heal itself. Mm. Let's talk about hormones now and, and where they come in, um, where they come in in all of this. Sure. 
So, so help me I'd out. Like so, you, I would like me to yes, sort of please. give you an overview. Mm. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've all heard this word hormones. It's, it's sort of thrown around um, quite, quite a bit. And um, basically what hormones are, they are just they're chemical messengers that um, are made up of certain building blocks, whether it's amino acids or healthy fats or, you know, certain vitamins, minerals, and so on. And these chemical messengers are then sent to various parts of the body where there would be receptor sites. So all have receptors. It's kind of like a lock and key type of mechanism. And those hormones would attach onto the receptor site, and each hormone has a specific function. It basically tells the cell or that system what to do. So the hormones uh, generally would be governed by what we call the endocrine system. This mm-hmm. is the system that talks about all the different hormones. There are many, many hormones in the human body, chemical messengers, and um, you know the, the two master glands, which are the ones that govern the production and the release of these hormones and communication uh, sit in the brain. They're called the hypothalamus and pituitary. And so those are the two sort of control centers for, for the hormones. And so when hormones are working well, when they're well synchronized, I'm sure you may have heard of this analogy before where we can get to a beautiful orchestra where each musician is playing their musical instrument, if mm-hmm. you were to think of that as a hormone. And so everything sounds like a wonderful symphony. However, if the hormones go out of balance, then you can just think of an orchestra where everyone's playing different tunes and it just sounds terrible, right? It just mm-hmm. becomes basically a, a mayhem. What and so triggers... there will be physiological actions. Yes. And, and what yeah. usually triggers the, the hormones going out of balance? All of the things we spoke about earlier, mm. you know, when we first started chatting. Yes. So um, many things can contribute to this. I would say primarily diet plays a big role. Mm. Um, you know, all of our hormones require certain building blocks. And so if those building blocks are not being derived from a healthy diet, and if they're not in the right quality or in the right quantity, then the body cannot make hormones, right? Um you know, so for example, if we talk about um, our reproductive hormones or sex hormones, you think of heard of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, you know, along with others, they require lots of, they, they come from cholesterol. This is the precursor, is cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And so there's this myth out there that cholesterol is really bad mm. for you. It's not. We need good quality cholesterol because that's the precursor that makes all of our, uh, most of our hormones. And so healthy fats are required to make these hormones and then other factors that are going to interfere with the production of the hormones. As I said, would be all of the things related to stress management, poor sleep, you know, no movement, um, vitamin D, and, and many other things. So it's, it's not a single thing that affects hormones. Mm. That's interesting. Um, and then, and then let's talk about the insulin one i'm going to ask you to just maybe elaborate on insulin because uh we hear a lot about sure. insulin and sugar and diet and how interrelated they are and and the kind of um detriment that can be lack of as well into your body i'm going to ask that we take a quick break to dr luma duluha and also ask the people call in perhaps on 0117142006 with their questions um specifically i think today hormone related and also they can send a voice note on 0614-414-107. One thirty. Let's go to the headlines with Nandika Bukas. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM.
All right, uh, Dr. Feriel uh, Luha is a naturopathic private doctor and uh, she practices both, uh, both here in South Africa as well as in Dubai. And we started the conversation with what exactly a naturopathic medicine is and I think it was a wonderful outline of what that is. And we, we are now honing this conversation in on hormones. Um, Dr. Luha, I just wanted you to maybe introduce us to the hormone insulin. To the hormone insulin, yes, of course. And so insulin, everybody knows, you know, when you hear insulin, you automatically think diabetes or blood sugar, right? So insulin is one of these really powerful hormones that's released by the pancreas. And um, basically it's released in response to the consumption of any type of carbohydrates. And so when we talk about carbohydrates, we're not just talking about sweet things, you know, things that would have sugar in them like cookies or cakes or pastries, um, biscuits. We're also talking about um, carbohydrates like rice or um, potatoes, Um, you know, anything made out of flour, basically. Bread is a big one. And so the moment somebody eats carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. fruits included, then there's a message sent to the pancreas to release insulin. And the job of insulin basically is to go and just get hold of that carbohydrate, break it down into its single glucose molecule, and then those glucose molecules are ushered into every cell because the cell needs that glucose or that sugar to be able to create energy for its cellular processes. So that is the function of insulin when it is healthy. It's going to go and grab these sugar molecules out of the, um, you know, whatever the food that's been eaten and it's going to take it through to the cells to use it for fuel. So you were saying, um, I'm just thinking about the, the how you categorize some of the, the, the foods that, that will be an issue here. And you said even grains like rice? Grains like rice. Yeah, all kinds of grains would have some carbohydrates in them. Um, so definitely rice, white rice, you know, um, anything that's starchy is also going to be considered a carbohydrate. The vegetables that grow underground, potatoes, carrots, yams, and so on, and also fruits, right? Because they, they do contain natural sugars. Is- so when you guide people uh, in the consumption of these carbohydrates, what, what, is your, what do you prescribe? So essentially, my, my one kind of basic um, rule or guideline is that we want to stay away from refined sugars as much as possible. We want to stay away from what would be called um, basically processed sugars. So these are things that come in the form of, you know, in a package or a box, um, where there's lots of different ingredients listed and uh, among the first two or three, if you were to read ingredients, it would say sugar. So I usually require people um, to stay away definitely from white sugar. Um, if you were to come to my home, we don't have white sugar at all. Mm. Uh, so, you know, white sugar, white bread, white pasta, anything that is made from flour containing wheat, because the problem with wheat at the moment is that it is highly um, genetically modified and it's been hybridized quite a bit over the years. So it contains high amounts of gluten, which can be inflammatory. You know, we spoke about inflammation before. Mm. So I'm not saying all wheat is bad. I'm just saying in certain situations, if a person is eating a lot of refined wheat, then this is an issue. So 
there are substitutes for these things, and there are a family of carbohydrates that we call complex carbohydrates, mm-hmm. which contain a lot more fiber. They contain a lot more of the good quality carbs that are broken down much slower. So it keeps the blood sugar levels at bay. So if I were to give you an example, you know, brown rice would be a better option compared to white rice mm-hmm. or um you know, a sweet potato would be better compared to a, a warmer potato. Mm. And, and and what makes it that way? What what makes a sweet potato better than the other potato? Well, definitely the fiber content. And then we have something called a glycemic index. Mm. Um, and so basically that just means that there have been foods that have been um, categorized according to how much glucose or how much sugar they contain and how quickly that sugar can be released into the bloodstream. And so um, you know, white sugar is at 100, basically that's the highest that you can go. And um, the higher the glycemic index, the more erratic your blood sugar levels are going to be because they get um, processed very, very quickly. Um, and so white potato's glycemic index is much higher than a sweet potato's glycemic index. And that's what makes it better. There are also a lot of other benefits with eating sweet potatoes, such as immunity. Um, and so I think in general what it is is that we want to make sure that we're not in a state where we are just having ups and downs, spikes, and, um, you know, uh, blood sugar levels dropping and, and being uh, sort of uh, erratic mm-hmm. because that is going to be problematic for our health. Mm. And also sugar in general creates a lot of acidity in the body and so when you have more of an acidic pH like it's more acidic mm-hmm. rather than alkaline mm-hmm. you're just setting yourself up to be more vulnerable to getting sick and to contracting other kinds of diseases and this is a big big thing I discuss right now especially in light of COVID mm-hmm. is that if there's one single thing people should be checking right now they should know what their blood sugar levels are and they should try their best to keep their blood sugar levels down and to avoid these harmful sugars because uh, that is going to just deplete their immune system completely. Mm, okay. You mentioned the fact that, you know, things like fruit as well, are, are. would you classify them as complex carbohydrates? I would classify them as complex carbs because fruits and vegetables have so many other wonderful um, benefits and, and compounds, you know, that they're high in what we call antioxidants, which basically help our body not to rust quickly, right? Um, they, they basically protect from, from any damage that could be done to cells, but they also have so many vitamins and minerals and other things that are important for the body. So what I usually say to people is, you know, I prefer people eat more vegetables than fruits in a day. Um, because the vegetables are, uh, you know, have a lot of enzymes and they're just more important than getting too much sugar in the system. And also, I think there is this misconception that drinking juice is just as good as eating a fruit. And I would strongly recommend eat the fruit instead. Yes, because obviously the so quantity... Juice, that juice, uh, that fructose is still continuing to to bombard the pancreas to, to release insulin. And then this is where things start to go haywire because then um, the pancreas just can't keep up. All right. I mean, I think it's a big conversation point, and I and I think I'm just you know I'm just sad that this line is not great. But I think insulin is something we're going to have to focus our attention on, especially with what you've just said, to saying that with COVID nineteen, this is the one element where we should be concerned about our um, 
immunity and obviously keeping our blood sugar levels Absolutely. down. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. The growth hormone. Absolutely. Will you take us through yes. the growth hormone? Did yeah. you say growth hormone? Mm. Sorry, did you say growth hormone, Camille? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. So growth hormone, I mean, it's just another hormone that governs, you know, basically our height. It governs our bone, um, how, how big our bones grow, you know, how tall we're going to be. But it also governs how big our muscles are going to be. Yeah. And the main reason growth hormone is important is because it's basically the, the hormone of youth. And unfortunately, after the age of 30 or 35, you know, we lose growth hormone uh, by, uh, you know, quite a bit every year after that. And so the idea is that growth hormone helps to keep us youthful and um, we need to be careful to not lose it too quickly. And one of the easiest ways to um, continue to progress with with losing growth hormone is you're not sleeping well because it's only released during deep sleep. Oh, how do you know that? Only deep sleep, yeah. Uh. Okay, so so more sleep, <laughs> more sleep for us. Oh my gosh! Okay, well that's fantastic. I, is there any other thing you can do for for the growth hormone? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So of course, making sure that you're sleeping well, like quality and quality are really important. And how many of us are sleep deprived all the time or yeah. sleeping, you know, very very late? Um, so that's something that really needs to be put into check because it's not just growth hormone. There are other hormones that are also only made at night. Um, having said that, one of the best ways to, to keep your growth hormone production up is um, high-intensity exercise, weight weight training. Mm, yeah, no, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I've heard that before. Then there's cortisol. Yeah. Yes, cortisol is a big one. Um, cortisol, again, it, it's a powerful, most potent stress hormone, and we absolutely need it for survival. And it is released by what we call the adrenal glands. These are little thumb-sized glands, you know, that sit just on top of the kidney. And they're really tiny, but they're really mighty. And they're responsible for helping us to just deal with stresses, whatever the stress may be, whether it could be sitting in traffic, whether it could be, you know, trying to deal with uh, online learning with your kids and trying to work at the same time, whether it could be a loved one that's sick, or it could be positive stresses as well, you know, getting a job promotion, what have you. So every time we face a stressor, the adrenal glands will release cortisol. And we need this to be able to deal with the stressor. And then to finally, once the stressor has been dealt with, then the body kicks into a sort of a recovery phase. Unfortunately, what's happening these days is that we are producing more cortisol and we're producing constantly. So we're in a constant, what we call fight or flight mm-hmm. mode, which you may have heard of. Mm. Um, now it's even called fight, flight, and freeze. And what's and the other one? It's fight, flight, and? For a, for a prolonged period. Yeah. Fight, flight, and freeze. Mm, okay. So either... If you have a stressor in front of you, you're either going to fight it, you're either going to flee from it, mm. or you might freeze. Mm. You might not be able to do anything, yes. right? Yes. Um, and these are states of, of stress that when it's acute, when it's really, really short-lived, um, that's okay. But if it's going on for a long time, for example, if you're going through a really messy divorce, or someone has just lost their business and they're going through a lot of financial problems, or they have a terrible you know, sickness, a loved one is, is sick, or whatever the stressor may be that is going on for a long period of time, 
then that is setting up the perfect stage to now bring in more information into the body, unfortunately. And cortisol, when it's very high for long periods of time, is also going to throw off all of the other hormones. And then we start getting this cascade of, of other physical problems. Sure. And I mean, it's a tough one to manage because often people just don't know. I mean, if if you've got a death in the family or, as you said, you know, a divorce, it's, it's a drawn out and those kind of things. Very few times are you able to manage that stress. Yeah, it is difficult. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you just have to help your body to modulate the stress and the cortisol output, right? Like I said, if it's a short-term thing, the body has these built-in mechanisms. It's a very wise machine, you know, to, be, to try and get you back on track. Um, but if if we're having these issues for prolonged periods of time and we're not doing anything to mitigate the stress, so there have to be stress coping mechanisms in place, whether that means, you know, making sure that you're exercising, making sure that you're sleeping, making sure that you can do some kind of mindfulness-based practice like meditation, deep breathing, even just listening to your favorite music has been shown to bring down cortisol levels, Mm. right? So you just have to ensure that, you know, life is stressful. We can't escape it, unfortunately. And I think all of us had a very, very stressful 2020, but in between, you really got to do the self-care. Hmm. Um, the thyroid is one that I've been hearing a lot about lately. Yeah, it's amazing how many people more and more and more are getting diagnosed with thyroid issues. Um, and, you know, again, it's all related. Like cortisol plays a big part with this. You know, a lot of these hormones have a connection with each other. And so with the thyroid, the thyroid is sort of like the intelligence center of our body. It's what keeps our weight in check. It's important for our moods. It's important for our you know, thermal, like our body temperature regulation. And I think a lot more people are presenting with, um, especially in practice, with low thyroid function, which means the thyroid gland just isn't producing enough thyroid hormone. And so some of the signs of that are that they're gaining weight no matter what they're doing, no matter how hard they're exercising, they're just continuing to gain weight or they can't lose it. Um, You know, they feel tired all the time. They feel anxious, maybe depressed even. Um, from a digestive system point of view, you know, bowel movements are not regular, they're, they're constipated. Um, so there, there are quite a few things. And so when I see a person presenting with these, I'll do a full thyroid panel assessment. Um, conventionally, doctors will usually just check TSH um, and maybe T4, but I check five different hormones yeah. to be able to get a holistic picture because it's a spectrum. And you can even have something called an autoimmune thyroid condition mm-hmm. so very very important to diagnose properly but yeah we're seeing an increase in this for sure i'm going to ask you how we can assist ourselves um if you suspect that there is a problem with your thyroid i'm going to open the lines as well sorry you'll have to do that Okay, I'm going to take a quick break so that we can see if we can correct that line and also open the lines. 011-714-2006, WhatsApps on 0614-104-107. We're discussing hormones. Every question you have around your hormones, this is the time. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Hi, Pimelo. Slums are here. My problem is whenever I go to the doctor to check my sugar, 
The doctor says it's all right. It's five point something, six point something. But whenever I eat these carbohydrates, even if it's not too much of it, my body feels drowsy and weak. I, I feel like sleeping. Now, 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 now. What could be the problem? Please ask the doctor for me. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Um, we are discussing hormones. Damsa, thank you for, so much for your question. Dr. Feriel Luha is a neuropathic medicine doctor, and uh, she's with us just to help us through navigating through hormones today, specifically hormones. And, and Dr. Um, Luha, Lamza is asking about when he, when he takes in carbohydrates, even though they have said he does not um, have problems with his sugar levels, he does feel the effects of these carbohydrates. Your comments on that? So firstly, I would probably request that he goes and gets more testing done. I'm not sure what tests have been done, but if it's just a blood sugar, like a, a blood you know, finger prick test done in the office, that might not be enough to properly diagnose what's going on with him. One of the tests I do with all of my patients is a fasting insulin. So as we said, insulin is the hormone that is responsible for uh, breaking down the carbohydrate into its single sugar units. And so it's possible that his insulin levels, fasting insulin levels are quite high or quite low. He needs to get that checked. And then I would do a little bit more of a workup. Um, there's something called a two-hour postprandial. So you basically have your blood sugar levels checked. And then they give you a glucose drink. And then two hours later, you have to check it again. And that will help us to understand what is happening in terms of how his body is actually metabolizing the sugars. So that's kind of the first place where I start. And then I would look at also the, the quality of the carbs. What, what kind of carbs is he eating? Because if it is the refined carbs we spoke about, um, unfortunately, th those are going to give him um, you know, a rise in the blood sugar initially, and then they're going to drop down quite quickly. Mm. And the moment they drop, when a person feels very and very lethargic. Mm. All right. Sipo, you calling from Cape Town. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I would like to ask your doctor there if uh, security workers, people who work at night and uh, during the day probably they go to sleep, should, they, should, should we be taking supplements of melatonin? Because I hear that it's one hormone that's only produced at night when you're sleeping. And I understand that if it's if it's deficient, it might actually predispose to to diseases and things like fatigue and not growing well and and infections, etc. If your doctor can have an input there. Excellent question, Doc. Yes, absolutely. That is an excellent question. Thank you so much for bringing it up. And um, you're absolutely right. Melatonin is uh, released as the sun goes down when darkness sets in. And um, it is a very, very powerful hormone, not just to help us sleep. And remember, we've touched on how important sleep is a few times already. But believe it or not, melatonin right now is being studied for its anti-cancer um, benefits as well. So it has far-reaching uh, effects throughout the body. And uh, for shift workers, um, even people who are, you know, flight attendants, pilots, these kinds of things, they generally will Anybody who has jet lag will definitely have issues with melatonin production. So I would, in these specific cases, I would recommend 
a melatonin supplement, but it has to be prescribed in terms of dosage individually to the person. So not everybody can take the same dosage. Please keep in mind also that, you know, if when we take something in from the outside environment that the body produces internally naturally, if you start taking something from the outside for too long and in high doses, and the body stops producing it internally itself. Oh, wow. So the short, the short answer is yes, you do need melatonin because it's really important for, for many aspects of health, including immunity, the um, call a touchdown infection. So absolutely right. But I would strongly suggest he speaks to a doctor who is well-versed in how to prescribe it. So, so what, what's the what would you then say if you're saying that if we keep taking in what should be reproduced in your body naturally, that's also counterproductive. So, how do you then balance it out? Well, I would balance it out by not taking it all the time. So, I would take breaks in between. So, let's say you were to take a supplement like, say, for example, a very low dose melatonin. I would take it. You know, on night shift that I'm working, for example, I would take that during during the day when I need to sleep and sleep well. Um, and then if I'm not working, I wouldn't take it. If I need to take it for a month, I would take it for a month, and I wouldn't take it for the next month. Um, but obviously, for me, you know, um, less is more. So taking the least dosage possible to get a therapeutic benefit, that's one way. And the second way is through diet. There are lots of wonderful foods that are naturally high in melatonin, um, fruits like bananas, uh, cherries are a big one, mangoes, pineapple, even oatmeal. Oatmeal before bedtime is great to help increase melatonin. But one of the other things I'd like to point out um, is also the use of devices, digital devices, which all of us are guilty of using just before bedtime. Um, that, that blue light that's emitted from that digital device automatically um, interrupts the production of melatonin in the brain. So really advisable not to have laptops, TVs, you know, cell phones. Try to stop using them about a half an hour, an hour before bedtime. You've got to sleep in a room that's completely dark. Hmm. Oh, wow. What, what happens in a city? I mean, that's why we've yeah. got problems, right? We, they, these city lights, even if you try to go dark, um, we have the, the city lit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, but, you know, this is what, what is required for the melatonin production to be at its highest because a sliver of light, when it enters the retina, it's going to start impeding the production of melatonin. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. So as much as possible, whenever possible, you got to sleep in a dark, dark room so that when you put your hand out in front of your face, you should you be able see to see it. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's take some voice notes coming through, Doc. Good afternoon, Pamelo. Can you ask to the to to the doctor to malfunction of hormones cause depression? That's the end of from learning things. Very good question, Doc. Sorry, can you just repeat yes. that for me, Pamelo? He, he's asking if malfunctioning of hormones causes depression. It's definitely a contributing factor. So um, I would say certainly things like the thyroid hormone. I did touch on how low thyroid hormone can um, lead to depression um, in different ways. But there are other hormones that could also be a problem depending on what's happening. You know, like I said, there's an interplay with hormones as well. So for a man, if they're not producing enough testosterone, when we think about testosterone, 
we think of it as a male reproductive hormone that's all about masculinity, you know. But actually, testosterone in a man is so important for his heart health, it's so important for his bones and his muscles, and it's super important for his cognitive, cognitive and mental health. So if someone, uh, you know, if a man hasn't had their testosterone levels checked, then maybe that's something to check because they also decrease um, as the man gets older, and low testosterone levels will also lead to feelings of depression. Wow. We're going to definitely ask you to come back because I think there are a lot of questions we are not able to get through now. Many, many people asking questions. I certainly have other questions myself. So, But thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Thank you, Dr. Luha. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I had a lovely time. It was lovely. And yes, I can't wait to come back. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Farrell uh, Luha, who is a naturopathic medical doctor, and uh, we'll put up her details on our social media platforms. But it will be available as a podcast. I'm afraid it's not very clear. Her line wasn't great because she is in Dubai at the moment, but we'll certainly have her for more conversations on this particular show. Okay, two o'clock. Let's go to Nandika Bukas for the latest in SABC News.